Welcome back to Upstate Anecdotes, the Shy Institute for Sustainable Communities podcast. My name's Autumn Hines. This season, we're talking about Kate Rayworth's Donut of Social and Planetary Boundaries. In this episode, I want to give an overview of the donut so that we have something to build off of in the next episodes. Kate Rayworth is an economist from England who's known for her work on donut economics, in which she explains the balances between essential human needs and planetary boundaries. In her own words, the donut defines a safe and just space for humanity to thrive in. Picture this, a donut, a circle with a hole in the middle. The donut itself is that safe and just space humanity can thrive in. Inside the donut, in the hole, is all of our societal shortcomings, like the rates of poverty and the people who have no food or water. Around the outside of the donut is where we're pushing the planet too far. That's pollution, ozone depletion, deforestation. If we don't meet societal needs, it's a shortfall. If we go beyond the environmental needs, that's an overshoot. The donut is that space right in the middle. I encourage you to look up the diagram. Here's Rayworth talking about the concept in her TED Talk. Forwards and upwards. It's the most basic direction of progress we humans recognize. We tell it in our story of evolution as well. From our lolloping ancestors to Homo erectus finally upright, to Homo sapiens depicted always a man, always mid-stride. So no wonder we so readily believe that economic progress will take this very same shape, this ever-rising line of growth. It's time to think again, to reimagine the shape of progress. Because today, we have economies that need to grow, whether or not they make us thrive. And what we need, especially in the richest countries, are economies that make us thrive whether or not they grow. Yes, it's a little flip in words, hiding a profound shift in mindset. But I believe this is the shift we need to make if we, humanity, are going to thrive here together this century. We're financially addicted to growth because today's financial system is designed to pursue the highest rate of monetary return, putting publicly traded companies under constant pressure to deliver growing sales, growing market share, and growing profits. And because banks create money as debt bearing interest, which must be repaid with more. We're politically addicted to growth because politicians want to raise tax revenue without raising taxes. And a growing GDP seems a sure way to do that. And no politician wants to lose their place in the G20 family photo. (laughs) But if their economy stops growing while the rest keep going, well, they'll be booted out by the next emerging powerhouse. And we are socially addicted to growth because thanks to a century of consumer propaganda, which fascinatingly was created by Edward Bernays, the nephew of Sigmund Freud, who realized that his uncle's psychotherapy could be turned into very lucrative retail therapy if we could be convinced to believe that we transform ourselves every time we buy something more. None of these addictions are insurmountable, but they all deserve far more attention than they currently get. Because look where this journey has been taking us. Global GDP is 10 times bigger than it was in 1950. And that increase has brought prosperity to billions of people. But 
the global economy has also become incredibly divisive, with the vast share of returns to wealth now accruing to a fraction of the global 1%. And the economy has become incredibly degenerative, rapidly destabilizing this delicately balanced planet on which all of our lives depend. Our politicians know it, and so they offer new destinations for growth. You can have green growth, inclusive growth, smart, resilient, balanced growth. Choose any future you want, so long as you choose growth. I think it's time to choose a higher ambition, a far bigger one, because humanity's 21st century challenge is clear. To meet the needs of all people within the means of this extraordinary, unique living planet, so that we and the rest of nature can thrive. Progress on this goal isn't going to be measured with a metric of money. We need a dashboard of indicators. And when I sat down to try and draw a picture of what that might look like, strange though this is going to sound, it came out looking like a donut. So can we find this dynamic balance in the 21st century? Well, that's a key question, because as these red wedges show, right now we are far from balance, falling short and overshooting at the same time. Look in that hole, you can see that millions or billions of people worldwide still fall short on their most basic of needs. And yet we've already overshot at least four of these planetary boundaries, risking irreversible impacts of climate breakdown and ecosystem collapse. No economist from last century saw this picture. So why would we imagine that their theories would be up for taking on its challenges? We need ideas of our own because we are the first generation to see this, and probably the last with a real chance of turning this story around. You see, 20th century economics assured us that if growth creates inequality, don't try to redistribute, because more growth will even things up again. If growth creates pollution, don't try to regulate, because more growth will clean things up again. Except, it turns out, it doesn't. And it won't. We need to create economies that tackle this shortfall and overshoot together by design. We need economies that are regenerative and distributive by design. It's a very good TED Talk. I would include the whole thing if I could. What she's talking about is radical. We would need to change everything about our economy and everything about how we interact with the world around us. This topic is at the center of the Shai Institute. It's a revolutionary way of looking at sustainability. It offers a new definition of success for businesses and takes a long look at the very concept of growth. Sustainability, to me, means how long can we sustain the way we're living? And with our current way of seeing growth, I don't think we can sustain it for too much longer. Rayworth has a few goals. One is to find that safe and just space for humanity to thrive in, and the other one is to switch from a self-contained market to an embedded economy. I spoke to Dr. Jeffrey Habron in the Sustainability Department at Berman University to get a general overview of the donut. What's unwritten about the donut, which people miss, is that it's a system. And so that's the trade-offs and balance that you're having um, that you need to do that really makes the planetary boundaries work. Um, Kate Royworth also um, has posited, especially in her book, The Donut uh, Economics book, 
of thinking about one of the problems, because in addition to saying a safe and just space for humanity, the other tagline is um, through a regenerative economy. And so uh, one of the fundamental ideas is that our notions of economic growth is a predominant reason why we're in the situation that we're in now. Um, and so if you just view the economy again as being kind of a single one-off, I want jobs because jobs and income is one of the social foundations in the donut. You know, okay, we can do that. We can look at distribution of uh, resources, which is what economics is trying to do. Um, but there are a lot of externalities that don't fit into that. And so you can have jobs, you can have a, a booming economy, but what's not accounted for is the fact that you're putting carbon in the atmosphere or that you're polluting streams. Um, and so that's not captured in the price of a product. It's not captured in how you measure economic activity, because if you measured economic activity by gross domestic product, basically you're saying anytime there's some financial exchange, that's a good thing. And so the problem is if I have pollution and then I have to hire somebody to clean up my pollution, that's positive economic growth because that's the job for somebody. I'm paying somebody, they're coming in to clean our wells because somebody spilled something 50 years ago in a brownfield site. Well, now you can come to the Furman University and get a degree in earth and environmental science and learn about hydrology and then go work for a consultant to go help people clean up their messes. That's great, that's economic development. But from the donut perspective, that's not because that job is coming at the expense of we just harmed water air quality and so forth. And so that's not typically covered when we assess how well economically we're doing. So if you use the donut as your economic model, um, you would measure economic development differently. You might be wondering what we should do. We know things are getting bad, so what does the donut propose? Dr. Habron gave me his outlook on it. Growth is growth. It's not bad, it's not good, it's, it's just growth. It's like anything else, you can measure it. My thing is like, what are the outcomes? So if we say there are limits to the, to the planet, can you have more people and still fit within the boundaries? If people lived a lifestyle where they're not being excessive, you can have more people on this planet because most people on the planet don't live like US people. So our impact on the world is, disproportionately larger than if you took 300 million um, the way people leave it, live in India or the way people live in uh, Scandinavia, right? You could take 300 million of those people and they wouldn't generate as much environmental harms as 300 million uh, Americans. So it's not about population growth or economic growth. It's how you do that growth. If my economic growth is I have jobs, um, in the clean energy economy or doing regenerative agriculture, I've got a job, um, but my job is making sure that we grow food and we don't, we make sure the carbon stays in the ground and doesn't come out. So I can have more jobs. It's not causing harm. In fact, it's doing good for the environment. Or I could have five extra jobs and trash the planet. So whether you have more or less doesn't really matter. It's the outcome of that growth or that not growth. But um, there's a good feeling that we're growing so much and we've harmed the planet so much that we've already exceeded planetary boundaries that we actually need to degrow. So we need to reduce our growth till we get into some balance. And then we can go back to saying, okay, now once we get this uh, tuned down, we could have growth over time that would be more sustainable. 
But right now, since we've exceeded every year, every month, you can go online and see that we keep exceeding our CO2 levels. Um, and so we know we're headed for over 1.5 degrees centigrade uh, change by the end of 2100. And we're probably, you know, going to be at like four degrees um, if we don't do anything. So at, at that point, it's not a matter of if we just keep things the way they are, is not a good thing. So like do no more harm. We're not in that point. We, we can't just do no more harm. We actually have to reduce what we're doing and do more good because there's so much carbon in the atmosphere that it perpetuates over time. So you can't just say, let me just stop doing bad things and we'll be good, which is part of the sustainability. So a lot of the things when it comes to buying products, um, living a lifestyle, electric vehicles, a lot of that is just being um, less bad um, or being neutral, which is good because it's better than not doing what we've been doing in the past, but we're in such a hole that we can't be neutral anymore. We actually have to be um, positive. We'll be hearing more from Dr. Habron in our next few episodes where we talk about what an individual's effect is on the environment versus a corporation or a government. We'll talk about how interconnected they all are. In the next episode, we'll be looking at the personal level of sustainability. What can one person do? Subscribe to Up to State Anecdotes to be notified when the next installment is uploaded. And look for the Shy Institute for Sustainable Communities at Furman University on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. <laughs>